your blood runs orange and blue. Orange and blue. blue. This, this is the pod, is the for, pod you. for you. You're listening to Orange and Blue Bloods. Hosted by EJ Stewart and Tommy Beer. Let's get to it, New York. So much for the king of Broadway. Jalen Brunson, king of Buckhead, king of Zone 6. I don't know how we would uh, refer that for Atlanta, but this is Orange and Blue Bloods, a, a New York Knicks podcast. Uh, Odyssey original, hosted by myself, EJ Stewart, Tommy Beer. A lot to get to on this episode. It's the final episode before the All-Star break as the Knicks ride in with a three-game winning streak. We will be talking about this win they got over the Atlanta Hawks on Wednesday night. We'll also talk about... Where the team stands right now as they sit in the sixth spot, sole possession of that final clinch playoff spot in the Eastern Conference as we speak, as they head into that All-Star break. And then uh, we got All-Star weekend. It should be an exciting weekend as it usually is. So we'll talk about some of the Knicks that will be participating, some of the different tweaks we'll be seeing throughout All-Star weekend, some of the rules have been changed for certain things. So should be a fun, fun episode. It's always fun coming off of a Knicks win and a, and a continued winning streak. Uh, Tommy joins me as well. Yeah, Tommy. So yeah, we gotta find a nickname for Jalen Brunson to, uh, to 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 for for the King of Atlanta since they gave King of Broadway to uh, Trey Young. How about the King of Diamonds? You know, for the for those, uh, for those that's, other that's clubs in Atlanta. You know, <laughs> if you're so interested. You know, or uh, you yeah, know, so those like Magic City, the King of Magic. Yeah, City. King of Magic City. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah, he uh, needs well, he needs title because he was cooking them boys. He was well, he was cooking them, cooking them better well, than the Magic City wings. Uh, well, exactly. Well, that's ludicrous or or Lou Williams <laughs> lemon pepper wing recipe. You know, he he yeah. gets whatever he wants now when, when he's in the ATL. He's, uh, he's the man down there now. Yeah, uh, absolute show put on by Jalen Brunson and the Knicks, and, and we will talk about that again. This is Orange and Blue Bloods, a New York Knicks policy. Uh, Odyssey original, WFN original, um, a podcast you can get wherever you get your podcasts, including the free Odyssey app. Make sure you hit the auto download feature and subscribe to the channel so you can get these episodes whenever we drop. It's uh, the last episode for this week, but we'll have three more next week, even though Knicks only play one game. We will be back next week with more episodes, and they should be some fun ones, so make sure you uh, keep locked here. So make sure you hit that auto download feature, and make sure you also check us out on YouTube. You can find us on the Odyssey Sports Channel. We can watch not just the full episodes of this podcast, but also uh, the segments we do in these shows. So Odyssey Sports on YouTube. Make sure you find us wherever you get your podcast for the audio version. So let's get to it. So the Knicks dismantled the Hawks in Atlanta Wednesday night, 122-101, heading into the All-Star break on a really high note. Uh, the Knicks led by as much as 16 points in this. Uh, they led by 16 after the first quarter. They led by as much as 24 in this game. Jalen Brunson, another master class. Uh, he had 29 points, shooting 10 for 19, absolutely barbecuing uh, the, the Hawks' star backcourt of John, John J. Murray, who had most of the assignment on him in that game, and Trey Young. Both guys had subpar performances. Julius Randle had 25 points and 11 boards in this one. R.J. Barrett had 17 points in this game. And the Knicks had another awesome, awesome contribution from their bench. You had J- Josh Hart, Obi Toppin, and Emmanuel Quickly all uh, putting up double figures and points in this one. Um, every guy in the Knicks had a plus minus plus in this one, which is rare to see in the NBA, but that's how dominant the Knicks were. Everybody contributed. Uh, the Knicks held Atlanta to just five made threes in the entire game, 19% from behind the arc shooting from three. So you talk about the Knicks three point defense something that we talked about a lot throughout this season. They did the job on Wednesday night. So I'll, I'll ask it. We started right here, Tommy, with why did the Knicks handle Atlanta so easily in this one? Um, because it was a thorough domination pretty much for the entire game. 
to borrow a phrase from uh, Mr. Jalen Brunson, the vibes are immaculate in New York right now. <laughs> and and we'll zoom out and and take a three thousand foot view of the of the of the uh, kind of the big picture of the Knicks heading into the All Star break and a lot of lot, lot of good vibes. But it, focusing on last night, um, I still think we start with Mr. Brunson um, as we have um, as we as we should with with nearly uh, with most victories, uh, especially right. of late. Um, R.J. Barrett outscored the DeJounte Murray Trey Young backcourt by himself last night. Oh, you talking about uh, 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 it was uh, Brunson who did that. Jay, I'm sorry, Jalen Brunson yeah. outscored the Trey Young DeJounte Murray backcourt by himself last night. Um, you know, he had 28 points on 19 field goal attempts. That is Brunson, while as Murray and Trey Young had 25 points on 26 attempts. Um, and yeah, just you know, set the pace early. Um, you know, got got a couple good got got a couple good looks early on. Um, we know uh, Julius Randle came out hot, set the tone, yeah. and the Knicks never really looked back. Um, we saw the bench come in and and do what they do. Um, you know, just just really encouraging sign. I looked at the numbers this morning. Uh, in the three games since Josh Hart's arrival, um, so the three games uh, that uh, the, the the Knicks previous three games, obviously they're three and zero now. Um, the Knicks bench unit ranks first in the NBA in offensive rating. Uh, they lead the NBA net rating. They're outscoring their opponents by twelve point six points uh, per one hundred possessions. Um, so when you have a great starter. In, in, in Julius Randle, a great bench combination. IQ continues to play well, flies under the radar, but just does everything. Yeah. You know, it's just a superstar and what the Knicks ask him to do, you know, excelling in his role. Isaiah Hardenstein continues to be a monster on the glass, um, had 11 more rebounds last night. And then you get that extra. And Obi Toppin chipped in with with three three yeah. pointers last night. Um, that was good to see. And then you get that extra um, to kind of put it over the top. That physicality, that aggressiveness, and that all around versatility that Josh Hart brings to the table. Knock down three more three pointers, some assists, some steals, um, playing passing lanes, just you know, kind of doing those Josh Hart things. Um, and then again in the third quarter, when things got a little tight, got within 11, I think, at, at, at one point yeah. in the third quarter, and the Knicks are having trouble offensively, Julius Randle bullies down low, two offensive rebounds, two putbacks. Um, just the physicality that he imprints on the game night to night, night in, night out. He's played every game for the Knicks, um, you know, hasn't worn down, continues to be a beast, um, uh, you know, just just really encouraging. And then, you know, the cherry on top, the kind of store, the, the, the straw that stirs the drink is, is Jalen Brunson. We've said it time and time again. Um, over his last, uh, you know, 25 plus points in nine of his last 10 games, over his last 20 games, Brunson's averaging 30 points, 5.6 assists, 4.3 rebounds, while shooting 51.8% from the floor, 46% from downtown. Um, you know, that's not a week. That's not two weeks. That's not a month. That's 20, uh, 21 games, actually, dating back to wow. the start of January. Um that is a lengthy stretch of the season, nearly a quarter of the season. Uh, Brunson is the first Nick to average 30-plus points while shooting over 50% from the floor over a 20-game stretch since Patrick Ewing, prime Patrick Ewing in 1990, kind of when he was at the peak of his offensive prowess. Um, so, uh, yeah, I mean, lots to like, lots to love. Um, but in this game in particular, you saw a little bit of everything that has pushed the Knicks now a season high tying six games over 500 heading into the All-Star break. Yeah, I just love the mentality from the Knicks from the start. I mean, they were in attack mode. And uh, I think, you know, it's funny. Someone noted on on Twitter, I forgot who it was, but it might have been a New York basketball account. But Tibbs kind of uh, in the post game 
when he talked about kind of that start, he he referenced R.J. Barrett several times. R.J. Barrett's jump shot right now looks broken, but I think R.J. Barrett, along with Randall, really set the tone with their physicality and their ability to just attack the rim. I mean, Barrett showed initially that he was going to just, um, by hook or crook, whether it went good or poorly, he was going to be aggressive that night. And I think even though he was still erratic at times, I think that kind of set the tone for the entire team. I think Tibbs was on point with that because seeing him be that aggressive, I think, made everybody feel okay. We got RJ kind of back to what he was. Now everybody else gets more comfortable. Randall hitting those threes in the first quarter. I tell you what, we're going to talk about him being in three-point contest. If they find a way to come somehow, like, manipulate the clock at Utah to make it look like it's the first quarter when he does his three-point shootout, he might do really well. I know a lot of people aren't really picking him right now. Don't think he's going to be there. But they say, hey, this is the first quarter, Julius. Then, look, he may go out there and shoot like Clay Thompson or Steph Curry. But he came out there, buried two or three threes in the first quarter. Um, Again, showed the physicality and aggressiveness. And what's now becoming scary about this team is now Brunson can ease into games. Because it wasn't like in that first quarter he was coming in immediately looking for his shot. He kind of let RJ try to figure himself out. He let Randall kind of handle the show. And Brunson kind of was, you know, he picked his spots. He had a couple of shots, but he he was not trying to, you know, impose his will. You think a guy averaging 30 points for the last three, four weeks would say, all right, you know, I'm getting mine against these guys, especially, you know, two competitive guards he's going against Trey Young and Jonathan Murray. He didn't do that. It allowed himself to ease his way into the game. And then he started to take over in the second quarter. And then he started to have a big night. So um, the fact that the Knicks now have this kind of firepower where they can rely on several guys to provide for them, whether it be in the starting lineup, whether it be on the bench, it's really good to see. And I issued the challenge essentially yesterday. I said, you know, put it on the line that the Knicks should handle this team. I didn't think that the Hawks really were in the Knicks class when you looked at just the rosters and the way both teams are playing. And I said, this is no reason why Knicks shouldn't beat this team. And the Knicks going out there and playing that way, with playing with that kind of um, uh, sense of urgency after the game, Nate McMillan said that his team just didn't have nearly the amount of effort and physicality needed to beat the Knicks that night. He said it was just, we just didn't show up uh, and play a coward basketball need to beat a team that's that good. And the fact that you have teams like the Hawks, who we look at as talented teams, saying that, hey, if we play anywhere below our normal effort, we're going to get blown out, which is essentially what Nate Milling is saying. That speaks to high praise and just to how good the Knicks are playing right now. Really awesome performance. I don't want to uh, gloss over, like you mentioned, Hardenstein, because, again, his physicality on the glass, it is really weird because – he, he still is kind of being used not correctly, but he really has morphed into the role that Tibbs wanted him to be. Um, a, a, just a, a dirty work blue guy, a guy who's going to attack the offensive glass, um, attack the defensive glass with aggression, throw his body around. I mean, that block he had on a Kongu, uh, another underrated moment of that game, might have been the block of the season for the Knicks. I mean, a Kongu can absolutely fly, and he met him at the rim and just completely rejected his shot. Awesome play by Hartenstein. Josh Hart continues to impress. Topping it quickly, also phenomenal. Just all, all, no notes, as they would say. All good stuff from the Knicks in this one. Really, really awesome performance. A couple things to touch on what you mentioned. Um, Nate McMillan, we may have seen the last. of this. That may have been the last game he coaches in Atlanta. I wouldn't be surprised if he <laughs> yeah. come back after the break. Yeah. Um, you know, uh, Trey Young quoted after the game, we need a break. We, we definitely need a break. Um, you know, and just, it didn't look like a team that was ready to compete. It didn't look like a team that was willing to match the physicality and the aggression that the Knicks brought to the table. So on the flip side, I'm going to compliment Tibbs, you know, the, the, yeah. his coaching counterpart. Um, he talked about having, making sure the team didn't take a break before the break. 
You know, they'd won a yeah. couple games. <clears throat> Excuse me. But he was he was insistent that they come out with the correct physicality, the correct, you know, mind frame, and they attacked correctly. And, and that's what they did. You know, so credit to the team, credit to the coach for having them in that mind space to not because you can, you know, they won a couple games in a row. Maybe we relax. We are ready. You know, yeah. this is kind of, you know, this is house money we're playing with in Atlanta. Um, but as we know, every game counts, especially when you're trying to jump up into that five, six seed. This puts greater distance between the, the, the Knicks and the Hawks for that eight seed. That's why you thought Atlanta would come out aggressive. If they yeah. want to make a real run at the seven seed, let alone the five or six as the Knicks, which is within the range of possibilities given their talent. Um, this was an important game, but it's just one in which they didn't have a chance. They didn't stand a chance yeah. right from the very start. Um, speaking on RJ, you brought up, um, I thought that. Best play from Barrett last night, and there weren't there the, the good plays were few and far between, um, especially in the first half. Not only you know he missed his first six three pointers, he was also um, DeAndre Hunter had his way with him on on the yeah. uh, RJ was on defense. Um, that being said, third quarter RJ catches a corner three, catches the ball in the corner, and um, instead of shooting, immediately attacks the basket, um, ends up getting fouled, doesn't dunk it. But again, that kind of mind frame: if you three pointers and falling attack the basket and impact the game positively because um, as we've seen, and now as we know, the Knicks have a lot of interchangeable parts there on the wing. Those 35 minutes a night that, that Barrett, that Barrett may have been, you know, essentially guaranteed over the first three years of his yeah. career. Those aren't up for, those aren't given minutes anymore. Those minutes are yeah. earned. Um, we could see more Grimes who again, his, his, his shot is still struggling, but um, you know, defensively just does a great job on Trey. Oh, Young. He was, he was awesome on Trey Young. Awesome. Awesome. Awesome on Trey Young. And just the, again, any, you know, perimeter player guard, point guard, two guard, having a guy like Grimes start out the game on him um, is a, is a great uh, boon for the Knicks. Um, so yeah, there's just a ton to like um, for, from what we saw Wednesday night in Atlanta. Yeah, I think that Barrett game was a game where you know you don't really have it and you got to do something for your team. And he found a way to contribute in some way um, by just being a Tasmanian devil, just putting his head down, going to the basket. He took those six threes. They were wide open, so yep. he had to shoot a lot of them. But, yep. I mean, his uh, his jump shot looks really bad right now. Like, I don't know what's going on with that. Uh, I, I, I know last time I challenged Drew Hanlon, Hanlon actually helped him out, and then he started shooting the ball well. Maybe now I'll say again, Drew Hanlon, you know, figure something out. What the hell's going on with your boy? Because um, because I don't know how he was shooting so well prior to the injury. Now, it, it, like there were some shots last night where some of the worst shots I've seen him take from three wasn't like, even close. Really it, ugly, it, really it, ugly. It, yeah, what wasn't even close. Um, you sometimes guys just need a, a, a to step away, like we all do in in, yeah. a, in any walk of life. You know, um, just a couple days away, a week away from the grind that is the you know especially an NBA season. So um, he mentioned it. He said he was just kind of worn down physically, mentally kind of alluded to it in his post-game comments, um, which is clear, it's clear as day for, for anyone that's watching. So hopefully um, he gets a, you know, a nice little extended rest here, um, whether that's getting shots up with Drew Hanlon gym or just going to a beach somewhere and not thinking yeah. about basketball for five days. I'm not sure what would be more beneficial for Barrett. Um, but for the Knicks to kind of unlock, and we'll talk about kind of as we recalibrate where the Knicks are headed this season, they need you know, RJ Barrett to knock down those corner threes, to knock down yes, those open threes, um, to kind of, you know, especially when he's the lone starter 
with that second unit at the start of the second quarter, the start of the fourth quarter, um, you know, when he's more of an offensive focal point, they need RJ Barrett to be at least a league average shooter, you know, a, a, a scorer um, and, and contribute on the defensive end. So we'll see kind of what RJ Barrett returns after the break. Yeah. And I like, again, I like his drives. I mean, he made some really good left-handed drives. I mean, if, if you take away the threes, he was six for 10 from the field. I mean, inside yep. the two point arc, he, he was pretty good. It's, you know, the three-point shot was just so ugly. He's got to make those shots. And, and again, whether it is working with Hanlon or whether it is uh, time off, uh, he needs to figure out a way to, to get back. But um, the one thing I wanted to say before we move on is about this performance. And it kind of does lead us into this next conversation. Uh, the Knicks bench now is really becoming a weapon. I mean, when, when you have Emmanuel Quickly now in the bench role, and what's great about Quickly now is he really is a chameleon. Like, he could do anything. <laughs> you could start him at point. You can start him at the two. You can have him play uh, off ball, off the bench. You can have him play on ball, off the bench. Like, there was a time where, like, with a man quickly where sometimes it was like, oh, if you try to make him play point guard, like, his shot won't be there. And he'll he'll be too focused on trying to get the team involved. Or he's too busy just looking for a shot. He'll play too selfish. And maybe his defense will suffer. Like, like Emmanuel quickly has gotten so much better this season. Like, I don't, I don't, I don't even think the numbers really show how much better he is than he was last season in his rookie year. I mean, he's a, he's a really good player. And be him being able to say, okay, Deuce is now on the bench. Now I'm the real point guard on the on the floor with those bench guys. And again, it doesn't matter. He it's like it doesn't matter what the role is. He's still going to produce. He's still going to give you a plus defense. Um, with him, Toppin looking like he's getting his shot back now too. And then Josh Hart again, phenomenal. Uh, his attacks to the basket always seem great. Um, that bounce pass that he threw to to the Harden sign, like I just was like, oh. Beautiful, beautiful basketball. Like, he just makes simple plays. He makes fundamentally sound plays. And it's just great to see. He's a smart player. So uh, when the Knicks have a bench like this, also, that, when we talk about their ceiling, that gets you excited, too. Because the last time Knicks had a really good season, that 2021 season, uh, their bench unit was phenomenal. Maybe the best in the NBA. It feels like the Knicks... Are, are getting to that area again. I'm not going to say they're going to be that good, particularly offensively, but just in terms of overall effort, defense, hustle, and some scoring ability, their bench is a weapon now. And, and that's, and, and they just, I mean, they, they, they detonated on, on the Hawks in this game. I mean, they really hurt them. Um, start that fourth quarter um, in the second quarter as well. Um, but let's talk kind of where we are now at the all-star break. So uh, after New York uh, won their game, the Nets beat the Heat. So the Knicks are in sole possession of the sixth seed. They are 33 and 27, a half game up on the Miami Heat for that sixth spot. And then now just two games back of the Brooklyn Nets for that fifth spot. The Knicks also got great news on the injury front. MSG's Alan Hahn said Wednesday night that Mitchell Robinson has been cleared for contact and is expected to rejoin the team after the All-Star break, which is huge news for the New York Knicks. Mitchell Robinson missed a month of time with a broken thumb. So now you have Mitchell Robinson coming back in the fold. You have a team that's now secured right now in the sixth spot. The five seed is, is you know, within an arm's length away from them, just uh, two games back. How would you assess where the Knicks are at this point uh, going to the All-Star break overall? I mean, to kind of take a big picture look at it. Yeah, I mean, listen, we got we to gotta recalibrate what we think this team could be. Because right now, um, you know, on the season, they only seven teams in the NBA have more wins than the Knicks. Um, the Knicks rank eighth in net rating. Um, 
that's a season's worth of, of, of big picture stuff here now, you know, um, dating back to December 4th, that Sunday night game against the, the Mavs, um, Knicks have the fourth best record in the NBA. Um, so there's, there's, you know, <laughs> again, they're top five in offensive efficiency during that stretch, just outside the top 10 in defensive efficiency. Um, so we kind of got to look at, you know, we got to change the way we think about this team. I think a little bit, there's 22 games left in the season. Um, yeah. but for me, this, you know, just kind of looking at the big picture this morning. Um, and I wrote about it in the newsletter, I think, and we'll talk about the bench unit and the, you know, shooting percentages have increased and Julius Randall's, um, you know, he's been a f- far more efficient player. Um, Hart gives them, you know, their, their defensive rating has increased, but outside of numbers and all that other quantifiable stuff to me, kind of what struck uh, the, the, the reason I wrote about it was, I'm not sure if you're watching the MSG post game, like in the, you know, the few minutes after the game ended when they interviewed Brunson on the court, yeah. you know, Rebecca Harlow was talking to him and just kind of, you know, where do you think about this team? And of course, Brunson saying the right things. It's a good win, but we need to stay focused. We need to, you know, just the, the Derek Jeter, don't say anything brilliance of, of a, of a, of a, of a guy who's um, who grew up in New York and, you know, his father was a professional athlete and understands the best answer is saying a lot and giving the guy and giving the person asking the question, nothing, you know, you just, you know, just again, say all the right things. um, And he's doing that, Um, you know, right after the interviews, RJ Barrett comes over and kind of gives him a hug and, yeah. and, and Brunson smiles and he pushes him away. You know, he says something like, don't say anything crazy or, you know, don't say yeah, anything yeah. foolish or, you know, so, so Brunson, uh, so Barrett giggles and walks away. Rebecca, Rebecca Harlow asks him where, what do you see from the Knicks right now? Like, where are you guys? Brunson replies, we're in a good place. And he literally, as he finishes, the, you know, that sentence and he's going to continue on with the answer. A shirtless, smiling uh, Julius Randle comes over and gives him a big bear hug and says, "Yeah, JP, yeah, baby." <laughs> you know, like they're 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 clowning around, and um, Brunson escapes the bear hug from Randle and, and pushes him away, and he's smiling. And Rebecca Harlow says, um, "It seems like the chemistry is pretty good," you know. And Randle's still kind of hovering over, and Brunson goes, "Dude, what do you want, man?" And Brunson yeah, goes, "I yeah. thought you wanted the interview." And Randle kind of you know <laughs> laughing, you know, runs away, and and and. Brunson kind of reiterates like two or three more times. He's just smiling and she's smiling and everyone's giggling. And he just says, we're in a good place. And I couldn't help but think back to like a year ago at this time. Right. Knicks, you know, Knicks were so far from a good place. Uh, in the middle of a seven game losing streak um, that would end in early March, they were 13 games below 500. Yeah. They um, won like one, didn't they win like one game in February? <laughs> Something crazy like, like that. that. Yeah. It was just ugly and awful. And to see where they are now, the complete 180, you just can't help but look at one man. You know, essentially they have the same roster, you know, like the Knicks, you know, out, you know, you were Alex Burks and Kemba Walker are no longer here, but you know, Grimes and 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 Randall and Mitch Robb and and uh, RJ Barrett RJ, and Emmanuel yep. Oakley, um and Obi, Obi Toppin. Yep. All the guys in terms of minutes played, you know, iHeart's the only real uh, rotation player that wasn't on the team last year. Um and you look at how and how much that's turned around. On the flip side, look over in Dallas. They have the same roster essentially. They've only replaced before the obviously the, the Kyrie Irving trade, which shook everything up. But for the first 55 plus games of season, they had essentially the same roster they did last year when they won 52 games and went to the Western Conference Finals. The only significant uh change was Obviously, Jalen Brunson left for New York, but they brought in Christian Wood. So he's kind of absorbed those minutes. 
that Mavs yeah. right now are two games over 500. Um, and they're 16th in the NBA in, that, in yeah. that rating. So I just, I, I just, you know, looking at the big, you know, like there's like chemistry is like really hard to define. Um, we've seen it when it doesn't work, you know, it's kind of, it, it, there's blaring sirens. Just look oh, yeah. across the just look across the river in Brooklyn. Um, you know, the greatest collection of offensive talent we were told in, in NBA history. Um, that didn't end up really well. And a lot of it has to do with ego and, and narcissism and, and selfishness. Um, and that exploded. Um, look at the Hawks. Um, Trey Young, DeJounte yeah. Murray, John Collins, Clint Capella, DeAndre Hunter, now Sadiq Bey. Like, they're a really talented team. That's why yeah. everybody in the – every pundit picked them to finish ahead of the Knicks this season. But the presence of Brunson, um, you know, when, how often did we see Randall smile like that last year? Um, it's not just his production. Right. Never. <laughs> it's just his the feel and the vibe of this team um, has completely changed. So um, the on-court, as, as valuable as Brunson has been in terms of points per game and assists per game and turnovers dropping, um, I just can't help but think – um, that he's really directly attributable to the change of the feet emotion in and around the team. Um, so he deserves a ton of credit for that. And, you know, next week we'll talk about, you know, um, you know, games on the schedule and how many games they might finish with and what games, how many games they might need to win and et cetera. Um, but just as we, you know, I just, I thought it was worth to take a couple minutes to just kind of reflect over these first few months, because I, again, I think we talked about it last pod. Like a lot of people have told me, this is the most fun I've had watching the Knicks in I don't know how many years, you know, and obviously yeah. a lot of it has to do with winning. Of course, like that's the main thing, but the way the team shares the ball, the way the, the way the team competes, I think it just kind of takes on the identity of Jalen Brunson. Um, so again, you can't give enough credit to the guy. The fact that he's not going to be in the All-Star game um, is a, is an absolute joke. It, it's li literally a joke at this point. Um, right, and, yeah. and I think to your point, like in, earlier this week in one of the pods, you said one of the storylines should be represented in the All-Star game. And I don't know if there's how many bigger storylines there are. Um, obviously, the, the stars, Duran, Kyrie getting traded and everything. But in terms of, you know, from the start of the season to now, um, the story of Jalen Brunson and his impact on the Knicks is, you know, really at the very top of the list. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Yeah, I mean, you know, you think about, you know, storylines of this NBA, you know, Diamond Mitchell going to Cleveland, he's starting in the All-Star game. Yeah. Um, you know, the Celtics getting their two All-Stars. They're one of the best teams in the league. Like the, the, the story, you know, the Sacramento Kings, you know, they have DeMontis and eventually finally they got Darren Fox. Like yep. it feels like I said, the storylines of the NBA were being represented by the All-Star selections. And the Knicks, and, and one of the biggest ones in the Eastern Conference to me is Jalen Brunson, the by far the best free agent signing this season is not there, even though he's took the Knicks that they won, I think what 37 games in total last season. They have 33 wins right now. And they they've massively improved this year. And he's not there. That's that's very unfortunate. But when I, I, I go to those standings though and talking about these teams, because there's a certain point, and we're not gonna get crazy. I'm not gonna sit here and tell you, oh, the Knicks are gonna win a championship this year or anything like that. But when we talk about what this Knicks team can do and where they rank, 
in the NBA, I think we there needs to be more respect put on their name. Because when I hear about these other teams that can win championships, I hear about the Phoenix Suns, Los Angeles Clippers, Dallas Mavericks, Golden State Warriors. Guess what? The Knicks have better records than all those teams I just named. All of them. And those teams, we, we routinely say, oh, well, you know, they piece it together and they get healthy, or well, maybe they can win a championship. Well, the Knicks are doing this without Mitchell Robinson. So what if he gets healthy? I'm not saying, yeah, they can win a championship. I'm just saying when we talk about how good this team is, because, I, I, you know, I said this uh, on this episode, on this podcast, but I think I said it more on WFAM when I was hosting a couple weeks ago. It was starting to become maddening, this anger from some segment of Knicks fans with, like, frustration that the team wasn't better. And I'm like, the Knicks are a good team now. Like, what? Like they, they've been a terrible team for years, and they, they made the playoffs that one year, and then they had a miserable season last year. But when you watch how they played this season, what is there really to complain about? Um, Brunson is playing like an all-star. Julius Randle has returned to all-star form. The Knicks look like a competent team. They play hard every night. Like, uh, yes, we can, we'll go through that. You know, RJ needs to play better, and this guy needs to be more consistent. We, we can talk about those things. But some of the anger that comes around, like, this team and the idea they're going nowhere, Rome was not built in a day. And things sometimes have to take time to progress. This has been a really good Knicks season so far. The fact that they're six games above 500 going into the All-Star break, that's the best-case scenario I think anybody looking at this season could have asked for. If you told me they were six games above 500 with Donovan Mitchell, I would have said, all right, that sounds about right. The fact that they're there without him and he did not make that trade, like, there's a really a lot of positive signs to take away from this team. And I can't say enough for about the job that everybody's done. Leon getting uh, Jalen Brunson doing whatever, everything it took to get him. And Tibbs for finding a way to, to, to fit these guys together in a position for them to succeed. Uh, it took a long time. It didn't look like it was going to work out at points in the season. But it's found a rotation, adding Josh Hart to this mix. Now this is a Knicks team that the city can be proud of. I think that. These fans should be proud. I think a lot of them are, but there's still some segment that are just saying, well, what does this mean? Who cares what it means? It means that your team is in the sixth seed. It means that your team right now is in a playoff hunt. Like, root for the team that's in the playoff hunt. Let's see what happens here. Like, sometimes we talk about watching TV shows and people want to say, well, what's going to happen at the end? Sometimes just watch the show. Like, the show or the movie. Like, it may end up fine. It may end up good. You don't know. Like, to always just, like, you know, like, just be so, like, defeatist and so, like, angry about, well, I don't know what's going to happen with this and that. It's like, just watch what's going on, okay? A month ago, we didn't think they'd be here after Mitch Robinson went down. Now they're six games above 500. Mitch Robinson is coming back. It's all, like you said, the vibes are immaculate. Like, I don't know how else to say it. That's it. Um, the, and the next 14 games without Mitch Robinson to be eight and six, two games above 500 in those 14 games, um, remarkable. The the thing I would say about the segment of the fan base to prove how idiotic, I, I, I don't want to say it, uh, how funny you know, <laughs> some fans can be. There are, is a segment of the fan base that is watching Cam Reddish put up 17 I know. in a Blazers game, you know, as if it's yeah. in, in, in a 20 point loss, as if that matters when Josh Hart has had the best three game start to a Knicks career, you know, you, then you could possibly imagine. Um, so you, again, you can't worry about the, the 10% here and that, you know, at either extreme, um, because there were people that are convinced that they're going to win 60 games and there are people that just want to see the whole thing burn. Um, but you're right. I think the vast majority of fans in the middle, um, and, and maybe that's a good uh, metaphor for society, we're more <laughs> on the same page than, than, than we're not, you know? Um, so yes, there, there's a lot to, you know, obviously, um, to look ahead towards, 
Um, and, and you mentioned the return of Mitchell Robinson. Um, that's when things get really interesting. This team has played, again, just outside. the t- Their offense has been fantastic, top five in offensive yeah. efficiency over the last two months. And, they again, their the defense has hung in there um, at better than league average uh, during the stretch without Mitchell Robinson um, or uh, slightly below league average without Mitchell Robinson, but, you know, just outside the top ten for the season. Um, when he returns, now you're going to see how about 48 minutes of Mitchell Robinson and this new and improved Isaiah Hartenstein. That's yeah. what really unlock an even higher ceiling for the Knicks. Um, Sims has played well, but I think clearly um, Mitch Robin and this version of Hardenstein have, have established themselves as the, you know, in a big game. Those are the two guys I, I want to see. Sims is great to have as an insurance policy. Yeah. And, uh, you know, he's had some ups and downs and, and played relatively well of late. Um, but, um, and yes, credit to Hardenstein because you, to your point, he was more of a finesse kind of, you know, a, a high assist rate guy. Those kind of, you know, facilitating. Yeah. Now he's doing dirty work under the boards. Blocking he's a bulldog. Shots, yeah. Grabbing, grabbing rebounds, um, you know, everything you could ask for him. Um, and in terms of, yes, to talk about championship expectations right now um, would be foolish. But I can say this morning, and probably for the first time since we started this podcast this season, that I wouldn't be surprised to see the Knicks win a first round series right now. Mm. You know, like I think they'll probably be underdogs if they get to the five seed and have to play the Cavs. Cavs have home court advantage. Donovan Mitchell, Darius Garland, um, you know, Evan Mobley. Uh, Kevin Love asked for a buyout, which I found yeah. odd. Um, yeah, you know, he hasn't we'll been playing how, much recently. We'll, yeah. see, we'll see how that plays itself out. Um, but th- the reason I think that the Knicks can win a playoff series is because I think they have a chance to get to the five seed. They wouldn't, in my opinion, or I should say it's unlikely that they'd be able to compete and extend the the, the cream of the crop in the East. Uh, the Celtics and the Bucks specifically. Sixers are a little bit different story. We've, we've shown mm-hmm. that they can hang. Um, you know, but if, again, if the Knicks avoid that, that, that uh, obviously the play into the seven or eight scenario, and can jump past the, the hold off the heat and jump past the nets f- for the five seed. It seems almost assuredly um, that the Cavs will hold on to the four seed unless, you know, the, the Cavs and Sixers might flip flop. Not crazy. They're only separated by a couple games. Um, but goodness, that would be a highly anticipated first round series. Um, the Knicks oh, yeah. and Jalen Brunson against the, who Jalen Brunson, who torched Donovan Mitchell uh, yeah. last June, uh, uh, last April in, in the first round of the Utah, uh, Utah um uh Dallas Dallas series, series yeah um so just uh, the storylines on that one forget about it uh we're a long way from there um mm-hmm. you know we're, we're 22 games left still left in the regular season but um again if we're talking realistically um you know the Knicks as you mentioned they have a better record than all these teams they've played better over the last two months they they've done this without RJ Barrett playing well um playing poorly as a matter of fact um they've right. done this without Mitchell Robinson at all um you know the best case scenario they come back. Brunson continues to play incredibly efficient. Randall does Randall things, which is you know pretty much a safe bet. And even if um, Brunson kind of regresses to the mean a little bit, I mean, goodness gracious, the guy can't average thirty points a night. You would think, right. for, <laughs> yeah. Month. But here we are. Um, but then you still Grimes is, has been in a shooting slump. You expect him to improve the second half of the season. You expect Barrett to improve the second half of the season. You get Mitch Rob back. Um, if Hardenstein can maintain that level, um, IQ is a metronome, just so incredibly consistent every single time he steps on the floor. Um, uh, the, the best thing you can say about this Knicks team is whoever that five seed is, whoever that six seed is, 
they're hoping they play a team that's not the Knicks, whether it's the KD and Kyrie list Nets, um, you know, or even the Heat. You know, at this stage of the game, if you ask one of those teams who you'd rather play, I think a lot of them would say Miami, um, which says a lot about how far the Knicks have come. Yeah. And when you, you talk about those top teams, like I, I agree, like the Celtics and Bucks, they feel like certain level of monster that it would be tough for the Knicks to beat those teams. Yeah. Though they competed well against both those teams yep. this season. Um, I, I can't put the Sixers in that conversation right now. I, to me, That's like fair. if the Knicks That's get this, even the sixth seed, I I, I, I want the smoke. I, I'm telling you right now, I want the smoke with Philly. Like Philly has had now, again, to be clear, I did pick Philly to go to the championship before this season. So I was high on Philly coming into the season. But they got to show up. Like how yep. many postseasons we've seen with Philly where there's always some excuse for why they didn't get it done. Whether it's Ben Simmons, then he was Ben Simmons was out, and then it was all Embiid was hurt. Like it's always something with Philly. Doc Rivers can't coach his way out, manage his way out of a paper bag to quote Adam Shine. Like, like it's always something. Yep. So I, I would take my chances against a team that always seems to find a way to screw it up. Um, in, in that situation, and I think the Knicks match up okay. You know, Mitchell Robinson, the guard, Embiid. Uh, they got now plenty of wing defenders now. When you add Josh Hart, when you're dealing with someone like Harden. So you got Grimes and Harden, and, and Hart can kind of you know, you know flip-flop between those guys. I think that that's a pretty decent matchup. I mean, the Sixers clearly come in maybe with a little more talent, but the Knicks, can, can they can beat those guys. Like, I, I think that if they get to that sixth spot, the Knicks have a real shot to win a first-round series. And, it, again, that's not something I thought I could have I would have said even a month ago or even maybe three weeks ago. But the way they're playing right now, that's how confident I'm feeling. Plus, you factor in the Knicks would be completely playing with house money against a series yeah. like you know against the Sixers. Heaven forbid the Knicks ever win one of those first two games in Philly. The pressure gets ratcheted up incredibly high um, on the Sixers. How does Harden respond? It's wild going into a series. The Knicks would actually, in my opinion, have the advantage at point guard. You know, the matchup yeah. between, between Harden and Brunson just shows how well he's played the season. And I've never been a big Harden guy, especially in a big spot. And we've talked about the Philly before. Um, I am not a Philly guy. I'm not a Philly fan. Um, yeah. I'm not high on Harden. I'm not high at Rivers in a big spot. Um, the thing that kind of pushes it over the edge for me is Embiid because he's capable yeah, he's a of averaging. He's a, he, can, he can average 40, 40 points a night on, on 60% shooting over a six-game series. Um, Maxie's a, a stud coming off the bench. He'll probably be in the starting lineup by, by that stage of the game. Yeah. We'll, see, or, you know, we'll see how they handle it. But the Anthony Melton is, is a great defender. But Brunson's eight in his lunch the last two times they've met. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. Obviously, a lot to look forward to. But um, you know, the, the reality is these are not crazy conversations to have. And I would have thought it would have been if it would have been crazy if you told me two months ago, three months ago, that we'd be having these conversations and, and not sounding foolish. Yeah, I think the one thing that about Philly that makes me feel good about the Knicks and the matchup with them is I think the Knicks have shown they have their most problems with teams that have an athletic profile that is so much more superior to them. Um, Philly is a extremely slow team. Um, yeah. They're starting, you know, guys that are in their upper thirties and a guy like PJ Tucker. Um, James Harden, not going to beat you with athleticism. You know, and Bede's a, a huge guy and a big, a great athlete at the center position. But outside of him, they're not a team that's going to run away from you. Uh, you know, they're not a team that that's, you know, Tobias Harris, good player, but not an athlete. Like, the Knicks athletically match up extremely well with them. At that point, it'd be a determinant of, all right, who plays well over seven games? And I'm not sure if nobody will play as good as be over seven games, but could the Knicks right. as a team play better than the Sixers? Possible. Coach better than the Sixers for seven games? 
possible. I, 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 I think that is not impossible. It is definitely not impossible. But um, we are headed to All-Star Weekend. Uh, at the time of this recording, as we've mentioned multiple times, at our frust- as our frustration rises, as every minute the uh, goes by, Jalen Brunson not going to the All-Star game as we record. I don't know what – I don't know when Jalen Brunson has to make a – excuse me, Jalen Brown has to make a decision whether he's going to play or what the hell. And B keeps saying, well, I might not play. I don't know what's going on. Like, uh, so those guys are apparently injured, and it's unsure whether or not they're going to play. But Brunson right now not going to Salt Lake City. Who is going on Salt, to Salt Lake City? Plenty of Nick representation. On Friday, Quentin Grimes will be in the NBA Rising Stars Challenge. He'll be playing on Team Jokim for Team Jokim Noah. He's the coach of this team. There's a They do a little four-team tournament for the Rising Stars Challenge. I think last season was the first season they did. It was really good. It actually ratcheted up the intensity of that game, uh, those games now, much more than it had before. So um, Quentin Grimes, who playing on Team Jokum, uh, former Nick Great, <laughs> some some remember his uh, his uh, very very um, what did I say? Uh, just unforgettable years as a Nick, where he was mostly in street clothes. The uh, he was playing alongside guys like uh, Evan Mobley, Jamari Smith, um, uh, Josh Giddey's also on that team. So plenty of other talented uh, rookies and sophomores were playing alongside Quentin Grimes. Then on Saturday. You'll have Jericho Sims taking flight in the slam dunk competition. Um, he'll be up against Mac McClung, who's a G League player for the Sixers uh, affiliate. Uh, Trey Murphy and Kenya Martin Jr. will also be in that slam dunk contest. And just uh, breaking, as we talked about earlier on this episode on Thursday, Julius Randle added to the three-point contest. He's replacing uh, Trailblazers guard Anthony Simons. Uh, Julius Randle's... Uh, He's made a lot of threes. He's top 10 in three-point made this year, but only shooting 34%. But he finds his way into the uh, all-star three-point shootout. So he'll be also uh, participating during the Saturday festivities. And on Sunday, Julius Randle will play in the all-star game. We do not know what team Julius will be playing on yet because they've changed the way the draft works now. As opposed to it happening a week before on TNT, it's not going to happen right before the game. So the players will be picked kind of like you know, uh, you know, gym class style or, you know, class recess style where they'll just all line up, you know, I guess at midcourt and the LeBron James and Giannis Antetokounmpo will draft their players right there and then they'll pick up basketball and play for 48 minutes or however long it's going to take. So they do also do the weird scoring at the end of the, at the end of the game, in the fourth quarter. So, um, some new wrinkles to All-Star Weekend, plenty of Knicks involved. First of all, what do you think of the late draft that's going to happen? Are you a fan of that? Yeah, I guess so. Um, I've never been a, a, unlike you. I know you're a resident All Star fanatic. Um, yes. I've never been a, a huge All Star game guy, and I don't get too into it. But I do like the the wrinkle with the with the players being drafted right before then. Um, one other note, um, just because it, it definitely could play a part. Uh, Demar Derozan didn't play Wednesday night. Yes, he did. The Bulls haven't listed their uh, injury, haven't submitted their injury report for tonight's game, um, but he was diagnosed with an MRI on Tuesday, revealed a grade one thigh strain. Um, he did not play Wednesday. Um, we don't know if he'll play Thursday, and uh, consequently, we don't know if he'll play Sunday. Um, so those are two options um, that that uh, Brunson could sneak in the uh, sneak in as a reserve. Um, I, I, to your point, I don't know when the 
when the league has when the players have to declare one way or the other when the league has to decide i i guess it could go to saturday i mean um I, i'm sure brunson wouldn't mind getting on hopping on a flight even sunday morning or saturday night or whatever the case might be um and, and running around the court for five minutes you know we probably get 10 minutes off the bench um Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in, in the all-star game. Um, so we'll see how it plays itself out. And and as we've said previously, him getting a few extra days of rest um, certainly wouldn't be uh, the, the worst case scenario. And just because I mentioned rest, um, it's probably important to point out um, Rand, the Knicks have won. They beat, uh, they won by 18 on Monday against the Nets, won by 21 last night. Randall uh, uh, played less than 34 minutes in both games over his last six games at just 35.2 minutes. Um, so those, the bench playing so well and Hart, you know, contributing and, and the team, those two blowout victories has helped reduce Randall's minutes a little bit. That's something we'll keep an eye on over the second half of the season, you know. Um, uh, as far as the All-Star game goes, yeah, I, I, I just I also find it funny that the Knicks are going to have a representative in the dunk contest, in the three-point shootout, um, yeah. you know, and 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 now the uh, and the rookie game with Grimes and the, the and and Brunson of the three players that are involved in all these uh, All-Star festivities, uh, Brunson's going to be watching on TV. Just doesn't doesn't sit well with me. Let's say. Yeah, it's it's really unfortunate. And just for a reference, because I was thinking about this the last time the Knicks had an injury replacement. It was actually David Lee in 2010. He was replacing Allen Iverson in the All-Star game. Uh, he was announced, I think, on February 11th for a game that was then played on February 14th. Okay. So we're kind of right. You know, so they could, they could kind of move it pretty close. Like, that's a pretty close number right there. Right. I kind of remember him kind of getting in late. I remember seeing the old archival footage of that back in the day when he arrived. And KG and them kind of congratulated him. And KG and Paul Pierce of being, you know, Atlantic Division rivals. So, um so, so I guess that today or tomorrow would probably be the days where you think that you know something that decision would have to be made about whether or not Brunson would join the team. I hopefully he'll get in. I think he will because because I, I think in some years when they were doing East and West, I think it was easier to just have a guy like go who's like injured and then like play two minutes and then just come out. Right. But like I think it's harder now that you're doing like an actual draft because like sure. you know if I'm drafting Jalen Brown, but I know he's a facial fracture and. Boston told the head coach, hey, whoever picks him, he's only got to play, you know, five minutes. You know, if I'm team LeBron or Giannis, why would I do that? So I would want to have the most able-bodied people. So I would think that would mean that that Jalen Brunson will probably get named maybe hours from now or maybe tomorrow, but uh, who's to say? Uh, I really do like the uh, – I'm kind of mixed on the draft thing because, again, I, I talk about kind of the weird things with the NBA All-Star game and, like not knowing who your team is going to be right before you play. Like these teams normally like they're coaches for each team. So typically they, they have like, you know, two or three sets that they can like kind of go through and they go through their rotations of who's going to play with each other. Like now it's going to be just like anarchy. Like they're going to get guys in their team. Say, all right, go out there and play. And yep. considering a lot of people complain about the lack of physicality, lack of defense. I kind of wonder if this kind of makes this more of like a, uh, a clown show than maybe the NBA trying to get away from the different, uh, rules with the scoring in the quarters and the scoring at the end of the game has definitely helped that. So maybe right. that won't matter as much, but right. that's the only thing I will worry about a little bit is that now there's really no organization with this game. Like there's a lot anyway, but <laughs> yeah, I would think it's very, very difficult to make it more of a clown show than, than it already <laughs> right. was. You know, like, yeah. A little bar to clear, I'd say. Um, and one other thing, if you want to see New York city riot, 
have uh, DeRozan or Brown get, you know, say they can't go and then Silver announce another guy to replace him. Other oh, than yeah. Brown's, you know, if he names Harden yeah. or somebody else, I'd, I, I would almost enjoy it just to see Nick's Twitter explode. Yeah, I saw, uh, forgive me, I don't remember the, the beat writer um, for the Miami Heat, but they had noted that, you know, it's unclear what's going to happen with, uh, this time it was Embiid and Brown, but now we have DeRozan that's questionable as well. And he said, you know, you know, it, it opens the door for Tyler Hero. And I, I said to myself, yo, Tyler Hero makes the All-Star game ahead of Jalen Brunson. Yo. I actually may pull up to the league office in New York City. I live in New York. I may pull up to the league office, and they may need to get security to throw me out of there. Because I will be meeting with Adam Silver in his office being like, yo, what's good, fam? What is going on? Tyler Hero? Come on. Tyler Hero. <laughs> and it was funny because then, like, the next tweet from him was like, also, Brunson and Harder also are options. Right. <laughs> like, this, he got enough people tweeting at him, what the hell? Like, are you serious, Tyler Hero? So, um, so yeah, so yeah, if they pick anybody but Brunson, I do kind of wonder. There's a part of me that wonders at a certain point. I don't think this will happen, but is there a chance that, you know, Brunson really does have like plans to go to Cancun or Aruba? And he says, uh, thanks, but no thanks. You or know. just, or just out of spite, be like, nah, you guys waited to this long, you know. Like, I, <laughs> that's true you know, too. I, I'm sure Nick fans might want him to keep that chip on his shoulder because we've talked about the numbers he's put up. <laughs> since yeah, he with the All Star replacements. Yeah, yeah. So I kind of wonder if there's a chance that he just doesn't go, not because they actually don't approach him, but eventually he's like, right. this is so late in the game, and yep. you guys didn't pick me this whole time. I'm not going. I'm going this plus, whole time with plus my fiance, who I may have to actually, you know, spend time with after the whole Iggy Azalea situation. <laughs> that's what I'm saying. <laughs> he may be on the hot seat already, so if he promised her a trip to Cancun, you know, he, 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 he's got to make sure he goes to Salt Lake City and not to Iggy's apartment somewhere, you know. So yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so, so that that may be a wild card in this as well. Um, I don't know what Jericho Simmons is going to do in this dunk contest. Like, I, big guys always have a weird thing. I mean, Obi Toppin is the reigning champion in what was made declared by many one of the worst dunk contests ever. Um, I don't think that was his fault. I think he was okay. I think the rest of the guys <laughs> didn't show up. But um, the Knicks have a chance to keep the dunk contest championship in New York. This is not a field that's going to inspire a lot of, like, you know, excitement. Because a lot of these guys, one guy is in the G League. Other guys are younger players, haven't necessarily established themselves. I always liked Trey Murphy, um, even back when he was at Virginia. So uh, I don't really think of him as a dunker, per se. I think he was more yeah. of a shooter. So I was kind of surprised when I saw that he was in this. So I don't know. Like I think his chances are pretty good, considering I, I would say KJ uh, Martin probably be my favorite out of these guys. But we know Sims can fly. I mean, we we know he has hops. And there was a picture posted a couple of weeks days ago that you know the M- there's an NBA slam dunk contest coach now. Like I didn't know that was a thing. And they <laughs> go around, and which is actually probably smart because we've seen so many catastrophes yes. uh, with these terrible dunks. Um, they go around to these organizations and they work with the guys that are going to be in it. So that guy was at uh, the Tarrytown Club, Tarrytown, as Tibbs called yesterday. When he asked where he's going to do for it, what he's going to go for, they also he said, "I'm going to Club Tarrytown," which means he's going to be at the practice facility, just living in the film room. Um, he was at Club Tarrytown, apparently with Jericho Sims working on stuff. So, uh, good luck to Jericho. I think he has a decent shot because I don't really feel like Murphy's really a dunker. McClung can he can jump, but he's small, so that always you know comes the thing of like, are you you can dunk, but are you going to make these dunks? And then you know KJ is tough. He he that's a guy who legitimately has great hops. So, but I think Jericho's inside the shot. It's just tough for big. It's always tough for big guys. 
Um, I just checked the odds, um, and they're very uh, – Sims has the, the best odds, meaning um, you get the best returnees plus 260, um, whereas, you wow. know, and then and then Trey Murphy's plus 250, McClung plus 250, Kenyon Martin plus 240. Um, the fact that they're so closely bunched, I like Martin, is probably the safest bet. Um, but I think Sims, again um, – if he's working with the coach and, you know, if he's creative, the things that, you know, Sims is such a humble guy, such a, you know, <laughs> soft spoken, um, you know, despite his great athleticism, does it kind of have that flash and pizzazz, um, yeah. you know, will he put on a cape? Will he do, you know, put on a flight suit or something, something weird, something funny, something to get the crowd hyped up. We know Kenyon Martin juniors is, is going to yeah. be. Oh yeah. Um, Mac McClung, you know, has, yeah. the, has, has the white. Mac he's been, he's been putting on shows since he was yeah. on ball his life. Mixtapes and maybe sixteen. So yeah, he's totally you know, fine with this. He'll have that novelty going for him. Um, so you know, there, there's you know, but that being said, in, in terms of just pure athleticism, the combination of size and strength, they said on the broadcast um, last night. I didn't know that Dominique Wilkins was Sims' favorite um, uh, a dunker for, from back in the day. Um, so if, if he throws some some two handed windmills down and just some power like off the glass, um, you know, uh, Dominique Wilkins type dunks. Um, I think he has a good chance to win because it's the tall, bigger guys have a tougher time legend, you know, historically competing in this competition. Um, you know, Dwight Howard, I think won it one year. Um, Larry Nance, you know, I think he won the first contest back in 84. Um, but you know, obviously in the past, it's the wings, the the smaller guys, the Nate Robbins and that kind of, you know, the spud webs, um, you know, just, it's, it's fascinating to see a a guy that's, you know, relatively small jump that high. So, um, but I wouldn't put it past Sims. I I think he, uh, I think he's definitely got a puncher's chance. Yeah. Jericho definitely got to show some energy, some life. He's a a very, you know, stone faced dude. Like so much of these dunks is not just about making the dunk. It's also the reaction afterwards, the the buildup before. So hopefully Jericho puts his biggest, you know, show the most emotion he's ever shown probably in his NBA career in this one. Now give him a good shot. I I mean, I think he has a shot like you said, because he, he can definitely fly. He's got to be, have the highest verticals, one of the highest verticals in the NBA. So, and we know, um, he can finish. So I, I think that he'll do well. I agree. I think he's got, I would be watching a lot of film with Derek Dwight Howard guy who yep. has similar body type, similar profile. I think they're similar athletes. He'll be a guy I would watch. I'd also watch Tommy Wilkins. I think he's a good one as well. And I'm hoping for a good show. When I, mean, I think about like all-star weekend and, and Nick's uh, memories, I think the biggest one is probably, you know, Nate Robinson jumping over Spud Webb. Like that to me is like a all-star weekend memory that I could think of. Um, you know, I think Clyde uh, won. A, he won the MVP of the All Star Game uh, in the seventy. I think I, we actually mentioned that in one of the uh, podcasts a couple. Or Will's Reed won in seventy. Clyde yes. won a couple years later. Um, so they've had their share of MVPs. I don't know. I don't, I wouldn't give Randall much of a shot to an MVP, <laughs> but um, but you never know. The original Knicks banner meme, I think, was David Rob. Um, David Lee winning MVP of the rookies, whatever. I don't even yes. know what they called it. Yeah, he did. Year. He did a rookie. He did, a, yeah, the rookie sophomore game. Yeah. 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 Rookies over challenge. He was MVP of that. So uh, I don't know where that ranks. And, and, and but that, <laughs> I think that it lends to, uh, you know, just more to the point of how um, the Knicks have lacked all star caliber players uh, for the, you know, better part of this millennium. Yeah. Let's hope that we can make some all star memories. Uh, Quentin Grimes got shot. Randall's got multiple cracks now. He could, yep. uh, he could shock the world by winning this three point shootout. And, uh, of course, he has an all star game in Jericho Sims at Dunk Contest. So it should be fun for Nick fans. Uh, should be a fun weekend. But that's going to do it for this edition of Orange and Blue Bloods. Tommy, let the people know where they can find you at Tommy Beer on Twitter. 
You can find me, EJ underscore Stewart on Twitter, Action EJ on Instagram and TikTok. Thank you guys so much for checking out Orange Blue Buds, an Odyssey original that you can catch wherever you get your podcasts, including the free Odyssey app. Make sure you get the auto-download feature on your streaming service so you can get these episodes whenever we drop. Also, be sure to check us out on YouTube on the Odyssey Sports channel where you can find uh, the full episode and segments from this episode on the YouTube channel. Thank you guys so much for checking us out. We'll be back next week after the All-Star break. Um, but we'll be back, you know, as early. We're not going to be you – know, we'll be doing episodes while the Knicks aren't playing and resting and can't cool, whatever they're doing. We'll be having uh, content. We'll have some fun episodes, maybe some fun guests. It should be good. Thank you guys again. For Tommy, I'm EJ. Take it easy, guys. Peace.